Today's Your Stories is brought to you by Jackbox Games. Get five hilarious party games in the Jackbox Party Pack from the creators of You Don't Know Jack. Now on Xbox One, PS3, PS4, Steam, and more. Go to jackboxgames.com for more info. Thanks, Jackbox. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hi everyone, I'm Eric Erno, and this is part one of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast featuring the theme Grit, a theme chosen by our special guests and co-curators for the night we recorded this, uh, the organizers behind Puck and Grind 2016. Now you'll hear more about Puck and Grind over the next couple episodes, but essentially it's an LGBT sports fundraiser that does really great work. Other uh, people also have some great stories to tell, and this episode you can enjoy pieces from Finn Coe, Ali Hodson, Cody Melcher, and Frank Nova, plus music from Get ready for this. Me, Claire Friedman, Jim Snedeker, Dwight Hassler, and Becca Brown. It's the first time all five of us have been together at a show that is the coolest. Uh, like you'll hear in this episode, the Puck and Grind benefit is this upcoming Saturday, July 23rd, starting at Johnny's Ice House on Madison at noon, and then moving to the Lincoln Tap Room at 8. Uh, Dwight, Claire, and I, plus special guest drummer Jeff Leroux, will be providing full band plugged-in rock and roll entertainment during the hockey portion of the day at Johnny's. Uh, we'll be playing games. Uh, we'll, I'm sorry, we'll be playing between games. We're not playing games, Jesus Christ. We'll be playing between games, and while the Zamboni is doing its thing, making the ice all nice and pretty to skate on. Uh, I haven't played with a full band in five years, uh, which is pretty exciting for me. So if you want to see some cool music and some rad hockey and support a great cause, get thee to Johnny's Ice House this Saturday at noon. Cool? Yeah, it's very cool. Um, before we get to the show, huge thanks to our sponsors for this week, Jackbox Games, and thanks, of course, to the Chicago Podcast Co-op for letting the sponsorship happen. We love you, Co-op. We love you, listeners. We love you, Puck and Grind. Enjoy the hell out of the show.
just drove off sometime class, okay? I ran my mouth off a bit too much, oh, what did I say? Well, you just laughed it off, it was all okay. And we'll all float on, okay. tonight i'd like to bring up one of the our, the producer of the puck and grind event she's going to talk a little bit about what this is and uh kind of the good that it does in uh in the lgbt community so please welcome ali lawrence to the stage Woo! not for the last time hello everyone um I said i'm ali lawrence i'm the commissioner the producer and the emergency backup goalie for puck and grind <laughs> <laughs> and uh what puck and grind is is a uh, fundraiser to, that combines hockey and burlesque to create a safe and inclusive environment for LGBT athletes. And what we're doing is on July 23rd, which is uh, Saturday, depending on when you're hearing this, uh, we're going to have a 3v3 hockey tournament during the day at Johnny's Ice House uh, West, which is where the Blackhawks practice over down on Madison Street. 
And uh, there we're going to have, obviously, a bunch of hockey being played. We're going to have uh, some live music from some people you might know of. Uh, <laughs> these, these guys. <laughs> uh, they're going to be playing when the Zambonis are going. We're going to have games. We're going to have relay races. We're going to have a bunch of fun stuff happening there. Um, and then afterwards, after like we've crowned our victor and they raise the puck and grind puck uh, cup, we're going to go to Lincoln Tap Room which is a, a bar just on Lincoln Avenue south of Belmont, and we're going to have a big burlesque show afterwards. And uh, we're going to have all sorts of different burlesque acts, everything from, like, really classic stuff to, like, really rock and roll things. We're going to have some drag queens, some variety. going to be a super fun time. It's just about, like, all-inclusiveness, just really empowering, fun stuff. Uh, and both things are actually free to attend. Uh, but what we're doing, because it is a fundraiser, we're raising money for You Can Play, which is a charity that helps fight homophobia in professional sports, and then also trickling down to like you know high school and like uh, elementary levels. Um, we're ra- doing a raffle for them, so we're gonna have a whole bunch of really cool stuff, some Blackhawk signed stuff. We're gonna have uh, like a bunch of golf stuff. We have like cool just swag from all over the place. I can't even think of anything. Someone shout something over there. What do we have? Custom cake. We have a custom cake, because why not? <laughs> but we're going to be doing, we're going to be raffling off stuff like that. We're going to have a drink package there. We have a bunch of really cool sponsors, like Mike's Hard Lemonade, Labatt's, Half Acre. They're all donated a bunch of beer, so you, you get drunk, and you're raising money for charity. So that's what Puck and Grind's all about. It's uh, just a really fun time for, you know, everyone to get together and just play some hockey and not have to worry about what your identity is. So. <laughs> back on stage later. Yeah, she made a reference to the fact that we're the live entertainment, so this is actually really cool. I want to thank Allie and Ed Soderberg for uh, making this happen. So me and Dwight and Claire are going to do a full band thing, which we never do here, partially because we can't and partially because we don't. We didn't really know any drummers, but uh, the drummer in Dwight's other band, Jeff Leroux, is going to uh, be behind us. So yeah, we're going to do a full electric set, which is the first time I played with a band in five years, so uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. So that's this Saturday, noon to five at Johnny's Ice House. But guys, that's enough of the plugs at the top you'll hear more of that at the end for now let's get to stories that's the reason we're all actually here uh starting first with a good friend of the group he's been on the stage a handful of times always does great stuff he is the associate artistic director of halcyon theater also an amazing gentleman this is finn co Uh, so, uh, you know, it's time to get to some storytelling, so uh, we're not going to start with storytelling. Uh, this is a project I've been working on for uh, the past year, and I haven't, like, shared it with anyone because I want it to be really good, and I'm worried about everything. Uh, but it's a long-form serial fiction podcast following a uh, fictional women's hockey team that uh, does their best, uh, showcases grit, and... Um, Encounters a bunch of supernatural obstacles as well as mundane. Uh, so you know, uh, I thought for for Allie's uh, thing, this is pretty uh, much up this alley. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting to the end of the sentence. I wasn't intentional. I got to. I was getting to the end of the sentence. I was like, God, no, there's got to be some other word, but there wasn't. Um, this is Siobhan, and this is Kelsey, and they will be reading uh, the yeah. Um, they will be reading Tani Rusinovsky, the, uh, the play-by-play announcer for the Cape Breton Tartans, and uh, Brenda Shaughnessy, the former player-turned-color commentator for the Tartans, as they do a uh, teaser recap that I wrote for, for this. So <laughs> here we go. 
Hello, and welcome to the Tartans Hockey Hangover, a recap of last night's game between the Cape Breton Tartans and the Fredericton Lumberjills, sponsored by Black Maple Whiskey, the official hard liquor and unofficial pest control solution of the Cape Breton Tartans. The Tartans came into last night's matchup looking for some points in the standings, having gone 1-7-1 this month. Their last win came against the Sudbury Sharps in a 6-3 contest that ended after just two periods when the full silver-white moon suddenly came out from behind the darkened storm clouds and Sudbury star defense, defenseman Corinne DeLoop transformed into a fearsome werewolf and savaged her defensive partner, a linesman, and all three of the Uncle Dickie's red-hot vendors at Sudbury's Graham Cereals Buttered Toast Crunch Arena. In last night's game, however, against a solid team like the Lumberjills, the Tartans knew they'd need more than just luck or the shining, pearlescent brilliance of a lunar event. This game was a big one for the Tartans, Tawny, no doubt about it. The ladies of Cape Breton needed a gut check here, and no mistaking. Come playoffs, if they make the playoffs, they'll be facing some of the best teams the league has, and Fredericton's pretty high up there. They didn't get off to a very auspicious start, I'm afraid. Let's listen to the tape. Gotta get it out of their zone, Tawny. They're hemmed in, and the D pairing of Gretchen Zimmerman and Melissa Monroe is just getting massacred. Stanick dishes it to Mairead Kaufman, who exchanges with Maria Lucas a shot. Yikes, that's another hard block shot by defenseman Melissa Moore. Oh, she felt that one right in the left boot. She sure did. Another shot by Stanick. The rebound's loose. They score. How do you like that? At least five block shots this shift for the Tartans, but it's all for nothing as Kaufman bats the puck right out of the air into the net and the Lumberjills get on the board first. You can hear the Lumberjills fans making some noise. They're thrilled, including, is that guy dressed like a wizard? Karen Grant never even saw that one, Tanya. It popped straight off of her pad and you could see her searching for it. A real baseball swing from Kaufman. They'll take a look at it, but it was well below the bar, so no case for high sticking as far as I can see. Sure stings to give up a first goal like that. I bet when we talk about this tomorrow morning during the Tartans hockey hangover, I'll get all salty all over again. The Tartans need to clear the puck out of... Well, Bryn? Are you salty all over again? I sure am, Tawny. <laughs> right off the bat, the Tartans dug themselves into a hole, and it was an uphill battle they didn't need. And might I add, this was their third consecutive game where they gave up first blood. That's true, Bren. Cape Breton would fight back, though, thanks to two gritty, hard-fought goals from winger Chris Murray. That second one in particular was a thing of beauty. But you know, they're not my thing. Without the buns on the sides, there's no barriers to keep the ketchup and the mustard from drinking. Well, sure, but there's if there's that much bun, then in my opinion, that's too much bread for any sort of hot dog. Whereas with a corn dog, you know it's got the exact right amount of batter, unless it's all lumpy. And then you just tell the guy, hey, buddy, I see all that lopsided nonsense. Don't you try to pass me off with a dodgy corn dog. <laughs> okay, but there's always that little bit at the end, after all the meat is gone, where the batter fries right into the stick, and it's hard to chew off. And I feel like they're robbing you of that last bit. Oh, well, wait, what's going on? Did they score? Oh, oh the target scored! How about that? <laughs> That's great! Who scored? Let me just... Hey, did anyone catch who scored that? Okay, in our defense, we were very hungry. Yes, we were both extremely hungry. And anyway, it was an amazing goal, so I hear. Of course, with the Tartans up 2-1 at 5-17 of the second, there was still plenty of hockey to play. And then, in the third period, with 11 minutes remaining in the game, things started to heat up. Or should I say, cool down. Really like that play by Nahulahan there, Tawny. She knows her team needs a line change, so she just chips it up enough to get it out of the zone, chases it herself, doesn't drive to the net right away, just keeps it in the Fredericton end until the Tartans get a full change and reinforcements come along. Good defensive responsibility on her part, leading to a great offensive chance and a couple of shots on net. Say, does it feel cold in here? 
Like, like even more than the rink normally is. At the face-off, the puck is dropped. Just Patrick wins it, but the Lumberjills take it away and send it all the way down. That'll go for icing, so we'll set up for another face-off. Actually, Bren, now that you mention it, the Graham Cereal's Tiny O's Crunch Arena is normally pretty balmy, but it's getting downright nippy in here, which may have something to do with the elderly gentleman in occult robes who has stood up and started chanting and waving his hands, from which flow, from which flow a sparkly blue aurora that seems to be covering this entire arena in ice. Now that you mention it, Tani, he does indeed seem to be some sort of magical person, and he does indeed seem to be casting a spell that is spreading from surface to surface, entombing everything in a thick, brittle layer of frost. The cold magic has even made its way to our booth, sheathing the floor, the walls, and our broadcasting equipment in clean, white whirls and icicles. In its own way, it's as beautiful as it is frightening. Mm. Brenda, your thoughts on the effect this will have on the Tartan strategy? Well, Tony, it's hard to say until we can get a better picture. Yes, the eccentric-looking older gentleman in the crowd turned out to be a cold wizard, yeah. hell-bent on transforming our world into a nightmare landscape of ice and snow. What we initially took for enthusiastic fandom for the home team, chanting and gesticulating wildly, turned out to be enthusiastic fandom for the death of all warmth. And that shouting and hand-waving was, in fact, a mighty incantation. The spell spread across the arena and would have gone on to envelop the world in its frigid embrace. However... Winger Janelle Lapierre, who has 13 goals and 24 points this, thus far this season, had other plans. Never seen anything like it, Tawny. Except for back in the in 05, during the All-Star Game, when another cold wizard tried to steal all the ice to craft a glacier golem. And he succeeded, too, and they had to call the whole thing off. So, you know, this doesn't look good. Ladies and gentlemen, the atmosphere in here right now is one of terror and draftiness. Fans are fleeing, coaches are calling for a timeout, and people inside mascot costumes are seriously reconsidering just how committed they are to an unpaid internship. Pandemonium reigns as everyone stands helpless in the face of their frostbitten doom. Not quite everyone, Tawny. Looks like one of the players is taking action. Holy cannoli, Bren, is she ever. Folks, third-line left winger for the Tartans, Janelle Lapierre, has the puck and is skating for the cryomancer. She's skating off the rink and onto the ice covering the rest of the arena. She's really skating the river, Tawny. Up the aisle she goes, weaving past obstacles like columns and some slower fans who have literally frozen in place. The cryomancer, floating 10 feet in the air above section double E, has spotted her now, and he summoned what appear to be icicle imps to try and stop her. But LaPierre head fakes left with a nifty move and gets by one. She evades the check of another. A third imp gets a piece of her, but she manages to hang on to the puck. She's bleeding from a cut to the shoulder now, but she's out in the open. She's got a shot at the wizard. Oh, she misses by a good half a foot. Wow. Folks, it it appears that Janelle's bold actions have galvanized her team. Her line mate, Ginny Nahulahan, has tracked down another puck and saucer passed it up to Janelle. She takes the pass, settles it down, picks her shot, and... Right through the heart! Cold wizard is down! LaPierre's shot punches straight through his chest and the spell shatters with an eldritch howl. His lifeless body falls to the stands, but fuck him, he tried to destroy the world. (laughs) But disaster has been averted thanks to the quick thinking of the Tartans. Uh, I guess it's true what they say, Tawny. The only thing that can stop a bad guy with a spell is a good woman with a stick. (laughs) Yes, folks, it was truly inspiring to see a huge offensive push like that from the Tartans' third line to keep control of the game. Of course, the Lumberjills rallied and went on to score for four unanswered goals, so the Tartans took a heartbreaking 5-2 loss. Yeah, Tony, it's always hard to see a team go out there, give it their all, battle for loose pucks, stop a wizard, and still head home without a W, but that's just the breaks. <laughs> this has been Tartans Hockey Hangover, sponsored by Black Maple Whiskey. Black Maple Whiskey. It'll put hair in your chest. <laughs>
The next, next game is this Tuesday at home against the Sherbrooke Sure Things. Tune in then for Tartan's Hockey Live. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Of course. That was like a cooler version of the Mighty Ducks, not the movies, but do you remember they had the cartoon with the ducks that were superheroes oh, yeah. and also played yeah. hockey? That was weird. I don't think that lasted very long. But good try. Good try, Disney. All right, coming up next to the stage, we have a co-producer of Puck and Grind, also the burlesque performer known as Whiskey Six, which I take it as a Motley Crue reference, which I very much appreciate. This is Allie Hodgson. <laughs> up um i really didn't want to do this um <laughs> and the reason why actually um it's not so much speaking in front of y'all but i really had a hard time connecting with um the term grit and how how it related to me um so just to give you uh an idea uh, i worried that i didn't really exemplify grit and if I kind of talked about how I had grit, it would be kind of a farce in the way that, you know, people who constantly uh, praise themselves and how humble they are typically are anything but. Um, so scratch me. I th started thinking who did exemplify grit and the, obviously instantly my father came to mind. And just to give you a little backstory, I am actually the whitest Hispanic ever. Um, my dad is very brown. I am very white. I am almost blue. This light is refracting off of my skin, so. <laughs> There's some context to that later. So um, anyways, I thought of my dad. Um, at first glance, he's a short man, small stature, uh, very quiet, quiet and understated until he's not. Um, he is the utter personification of speak softly and carry a big stick. Um, and his big stick, um, we'll say that's uh, a hockey reference, a hockey pun and not a phallic one. Um, anyways, his big stick is his presence. Um, so this is a guy in high school who once confronted another guy he'd heard who had issues with him. Um, and as the teenage male brain goes, they decided to find it out. So they picked a time and a place after school and they started fighting. Uh, not too long afterwards, a cop pulls up, asks them what's their, what they're doing. And, um, you know, not wanting to get in trouble, they both were like, hey, we're just messing around, we're just friends, you know, whatever, of course, they lied. Um, long story short, you know, the two actually ended up gaining a mutual respect for each other and became friends um, for really decades. And the funny thing about that story is the only reason I know it is because, uh, by complete coincidence, I ended up becoming very, very good friends with that man's son, uh, his his nephew, but he actually raised his nephew. And when my dad found out, he told us that really funny story about how he met his uncle. Um, and I didn't even realize it until I started making notes for this tonight that the almost exact same thing happened to me um, in sixth grade, if you can believe it. Um, you know, I was scrappy. I was uh, a tomboy. And at one point, my teacher pulled me aside and told me she'd heard rumors that there was another girl in my uh, class who uh, had issues with me and was actually going to jump me after school. So, guys, this is the real deal. Um, obviously, I had a big oh shit moment. Like, my brother had taught me how to throw a punch. Um, but, you know, nobody really wants to get hit in the face. And I didn't really know if I could take on a gaggle of girls wearing brown lip liner, baggy pants, and scrunchies. Um, but seeing how I didn't really think I could get out of the conflict, um, I actually cornered her on the playground and asked her what was up. And uh, to this day, I don't know if um, 
they were really just rumors or if she was so thrown off by me confronting her that she just aborted her plan entirely. Mm -hmm. um, but she denied having any issue with me, and then, of course, we became really good friends. And <laughs> I don't talk to her, but we are Facebook friends. Hey, Annie, what's up? <laughs> um, so my dad didn't come from much. He's not the most educated, uh, but he's always been able to make so much out of so little in life. Um, before I was born, he had actually applied um, for a membership at the local country club. Um, and again, he is of the Brown persuasion, and I'm actually from Nebraska. Um, so he was actually denied membership due to the color of his skin. Um, again, the, you know, I'm 31. This wasn't that long ago. Um, so there's a huge percentage of Hispanics in my hometown, but there's also a small yet really loud number of racists. Um, so this was just the type of thing that that flew in my hometown. Um, these racists were racist enough that when he later actually became the first Hispanic state senator of Nebraska, he actually got racist hate mail that said, sorry, I got to tell you what it says. Um, that was actually addressed to Chief Spick Ray Aguilar. Um, yes, just an example of how racist my hometown was. Um, so similar... I had a rough time my freshman year of high school. Um, I had actually, the previous year was class president, and then that year quickly became the social pariah, all just because one girl was threatened and she mean-girled the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, because money is power, even though my dad actually worked at the high school, people, um, you know, basically did whatever she said and were even bold enough to write shit on my locker, um, shit that my dad actually, as the uh, manager of grounds and maintenance um, actually had to clean off my locker. Um, I don't really have the phoenix rising from the ashes story like I just told you about with my dad, um, except that I take solace in knowing that I was and I am still better, more talented, and prettier than Jenny will ever be. <laughs> so to circle back... Um, my dad has grit because he's been through poverty, he's been through prejudice, he's gone literally from janitor to state senator, he survived an explosion at work that almost took his hands, and he's even beat cancer. Um, I've always looked up to him, and I felt if I inherited even a small percentage of his tenacity and spirit and his work ethic and his charm, then I would really be truly lucky. So yeah, my dad has a lot of fucking grit, and seeing as we're cut from the same cloth, once I kind of started to formulate my story for tonight, I realized that, mm, yeah, I do too. And um, after putting this down all on pen and paper, um, I think I have just, just enough grit in me to actually be pretty proud to admit it. So thanks, Dad. Love you. Thank you, Allie. Your dad sounds incredible. Fuck that Jenny girl. What's her problem? Yeah, right? She's the worst. You know her too? She's a, so. a much, yeah. Like we all know a Jenny, I think, somewhere in our lives. Coming up next to the stage, guys, we have a fantastic Chicago stand-up. Also one of the producers of the Chicago Nerd Comedy Festival, which is August 11th through 14th at Stage 773. This is a very cool festival. Very excited to have Mr. Cody Melcher here. Uh, it's been a long time since I've eaten ice cream. Uh, like, maybe a couple of months. Uh... <laughs> It's also been five years, seven months, and six days since the last time I tried to commit suicide. Uh, the time that I ended up in the hospital. Now, it's not that I hate ice cream, uh, or even frozen plasmoid-like treats at all. I've had yogurt or two since then, and I definitely enjoy the gelato place that used to be next to where I worked, especially the red velvet gelato. Uh, my biggest complaint with them was that they didn't always have it. Like, they would always have the thing, but it wouldn't really be there. It's a rarity there. Uh, but there have been worse things to deal with in the past. You know, you can't... 
Can't let the gelato get you down. <laughs> Life isn't a bed of red velvet gelato. Because that would be terrible and sticky, but... <laughs> it's also not an endless fall down a dark well. Sometimes you hit a rock, sometimes you snag hold to the side and pull yourself up a bit, and sometimes, well, you hit the bottom. Uh, I used to be part of a theater in Austin, a community, uh, and as such, we had an office holiday party. It was a grand time, I'm sure, but as I was going through a particular why me phase of my college years, I didn't pay much attention. Uh, what I did notice was that there were a lot of couples together enjoying their love and stuff or whatever, and I, was, <laughs> and I was sitting alone by myself, having been single for far too long and having my last few relationships end in a bad decision, cheating, and in general. Uh... I was not unlike an ice cream cone, uh, sitting there alone, melting. Uh, I went home that night, and I drank. Uh, I drank a lot. Uh, to avoid putting things lightly, I drank a whole bottle of 100-proof peppermint schnapps and watched the show Eureka on Netflix. Uh, I still don't know how that season ends. Um, I haven't had time to go back and watch it. Uh, oh, and I, uh, I ended up getting uh, most of my steak knives out of the drawers. Uh, I'm going to do you all a favor and not talk about what happened with those, but what I can say that happened is two things. Uh, one, I did not have any ice cream that night. And two, a friend of mine called the police after I called him and then my phone died. Uh, boy, howdy, were the officers who showed up a fun time. Uh, <laughs> one of them played my piano. He had gone to college for piano and then ended up going into the police service. Uh, and the other two played with my cat using the laser sights from their tasers. Uh, they all declined my offer of water or snacks. I'm from Texas. Uh, and they also didn't have ice cream because I didn't have any to give them. I arrived at the hospital with three things. My wallet, my glasses, and a copy of the complete Noel Coward reader. Uh, after watching a bit of the birdcage on the TV in my hospital room, I fell asleep. When I awoke, there was a woman sitting at the edge of my bed. And to reiterate, I don't hate ice cream. Uh, I really don't. It's like, it's just not my preferred dessert, you know? I mean, if I'm going to absorb the calories, I'd much rather have like a cake or another pastry of some kind. It's a matter of substance. I like that cake feels more full. I like substance. Substance matters. The woman, as it turns out, was a social worker. Uh, I'm sure I asked for her name because I'm polite, but I don't remember it. Uh, from her demeanor and the way her ears bowed out ever so slightly, I'll call her Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> what happened Sunday that made you want to kill yourself, she asked me, looking at her notes for what she was looking, I don't know. Well, let's see. Uh, I got up pretty early and I went to make some coffee, uh, but then I realized that I had no coffee left anymore, so I said, fuck it, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> she stared at me for a moment. So, you think you're funny? <laughs> then I said, uh, what I think is funny is that you think that there would be an isolated event on a single day in which a person would want to end their entire existence. She paused and leaned back in her chair. A smirk wiggled across her face, and she said the one line that became not only my iTunes playlist for 2012, but also the title of my children's book, which is yet to be written. So, you're a thinker. <laughs> I guess she pegged me. I do think a lot. I think about how my cat gets to sleep a lot more often than I do, yet we seem to have the same lack of satisfaction in life. I think about what's going to happen on the next season of Game of Thrones. Uh, I think about how it seems obvious to me that the thinkers are usually the ones who kill themselves, because if you're not thinking, you probably don't care enough either way. I think about ice cream and why I don't like it. Why am I the only person that seems to find it dissatisfying? What is it about me that looks at a supposedly delicious treat and thinks, meh, it's not that great? Maybe this is my problem. Maybe I look at something great and I can't see the beauty. Or maybe I'm just not a fan of ice cream. 
Eventually, the director of the theater came to pick me up and in a brilliant act of picking up on the mood of the room, responded to Margaret's assurance that I would be fine with, thank God, here I was thinking I'd thrown the worst holiday party ever. (laughs) It was a beautiful moment of two people connecting on a subliminal level, rejecting the idea that they were different and shifting the world between them. It was a moment where I realized that maybe, just maybe, I wasn't so different and alone. Uh, I have to say I lied at the beginning of this story. Uh, Not about the ice cream. I really don't care for it. Uh, It hasn't been over five years since the last time I've fallen down the well. It's been 11 days. Uh, Life is hard. It can be a struggle for anyone. There's a lot in common between life, depression, and dessert. We all want everything to be pleasant, easy, and with sprinkles. We want the caramel and the chocolate on top and the cherry to be placed just right. But ice cream melts, and so too can resolve. However, as I'm sure uh, any middle school student can tell you, the best and sweetest ice cream is the ice cream you make yourself. It's going to take a lot of salt. It's going to take a lot, a lot of shaking. But if you really want it, you just have to keep going. That's the funny thing about falling down a well. When you hit the bottom is the only chance you have to jump back up. And every once in a while, ice cream's not too bad a treat. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tony. Tony Meltzer, everybody. So, man, that was wonderful. I don't have a quip. I do want to say we had a couple more guests scheduled to come from the Nerd Comedy Festival, and one got a fever, and the other is traveling right now. So Cody is the sole representative, but please, go to the Nerd Comedy Festival. It's going to be great. Cody, what are some of the acts that are performing? Uh, we've got Teen Star Kid. We've got Jackson Bird coming in from New York to do Will It Waffle. Ooh. We've got Geek Show, Just the Facts, which is a British Camel show. That sounds great. So, yes, yeah, stage 773, August 11th through 14th, everybody. That's super great. All right, we have one more storyteller this half, then we're going to kick the air back on for a few minutes. You can go get a drink. Uh, there's some water around, and then, yeah, we'll be back for a second half. But please, welcome to the stage a team sponsor for Puck and Grind, as well as a blogger and podcaster for Hockey Night. This is Frank Nova. <laughs> That is one hell of a step for a fat old man. <laughs> I'll help you down. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Bill's character. I, I have no personal grit of my own. Uh, first of all, thank you for allowing me to come up here and talk. And uh, everybody has very deep personal stories tonight. And uh, I'm not going to give you any of my personal stories because, quite frankly, this isn't the Blackout Diaries. <laughs> Um, I've already done that one. Uh, um, here, do me a favor. Pass this around, please. For anybody listening at home, that is an NHL game puck. Hockey is one hell of a great game. I love it with all my heart. And y'all better get hip to hockey because you're going to need it when we all move to Canada if Trump wins. <laughs> so, so... Repeat after me. A. A. A boot. A boot. We're good. All right. But hockey has amazing people playing the game, men and women. And the thing I love is how women's hockey has taken off. But I want to talk about old-time hockey because I am a retired hockey blogger, and we do do a hockey podcast, and I fancy myself a bit of a hockey historian, and this is somewhere where I can contribute tonight. A couple of times in the history of the National Hockey League, men have died because of injuries they've received 
during gameplay. Howie Morenz in 1937, complications from a broken leg, and Bill Masterden in 1968 from complications from a head injury. So it's not always all fun games, but there's resilient men too. For instance, Clint Malarchuk, who was a goaltender for the Buffalo Sabres at the time, took a skate across his jugular vein, and it's on YouTube <laughs> for, for you starter, stouter hearts. Um, he had the presence of mind to put pressure to his wound, and he got stitched up, and the next season he was able to continue playing. Bobby Bond for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's okay, I'm done with the blood. <laughs> I see this over here. Uh, Bobby Bond for the Toronto Maple Leafs. 1964 in the Stanley Cup final. Broke his leg. Came out the next game with his leg taped up like he was a damn mummy. Scored the Stanley Cup winning goal. 2010, Western Conference Finals. Duncan Keith of our very own Chicago Blackhawks. Took a puck to the mouth. Spit seven chiclets on the ice. Missed one minute for every tooth he lost. Came back in the game. Looked like he lost bum fights, but he won the Stanley Cup. Good. Somebody else knows bum fights. <laughs> so, but he wound up winning the Stanley Cup that year and has won two more since then. And, you know, then there's goaltenders. I mentioned Clint Malarch before. Allie is a goaltender. She's the bombshell of the crease, I might even say. You could use that. It's actually pretty good. Uh, and, and goaltenders have always been amazing to me. I grew up, my father took me to my first Chicago Blackhawks game at the end of the 66-67 season. There were only six teams in the league. Goaltenders, as a rule, did not wear masks. And my favorite goaltender back then was a fellow by the name of Lorne Gump Worsley. Gump was the last maskless goaltender in the NHL. He played until the 1974 season. August 6, 1974 was the last game played by a maskless hockey goalie in the National Hockey League. Lorne Worsley was 44 years of age with 100-mile-an-hour slap shots coming at him with no protection over his face or head. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and here in Chicago, we had a man who went by the nickname of Mr. Goalie, Glenn Hall. Glenn Hall didn't wear a mask either. Glenn Hall handled, he played 502 consecutive games for the Chicago Blackhawks every minute of all 502 of those games. And that was when a season was like 72 games, I think. So you're talking roughly seven full seasons without a break. And he didn't wear a mask. And this was in the era when curved sticks came into being, so shots were harder. They were moving in different directions than they ever moved in before. People were skating faster, uh, becoming more physically fit. I mean, his own teammate, Bobby Hall, looked like he had been chiseled out of granite. And the way Hall dealt with this was before every game, he rose up from his stool in Chicago Stadium, regally walked into the men's room, and puked. Every night, Glenn Hall puked. But he was there for every single game, and he was good enough to, of all the goaltenders in the National Hockey League history, he's the one they call Mr. Goalie. In fact, he didn't, the Blackhawks didn't even carry a backup goaltender those years. Dennis DeJordi came later on, but their backup goaltender was 
Walter, I'm going to screw up his last name. Uh, Habilius, I think it is. But everyone in Chicago knew him as Gunzo. Now, you may wonder, how does a guy named Walter Habilius get the nickname Gunzo? Well, <laughs> for those listening at home, I just gestured that he has a big dong. <laughs> can I say big dong? All right, cool. I can say big dong. He had a big dong. So, so I can think of no better way to leave the stage than to write out on Gunzo's big dong. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Frank Yoma. Again, let's do it up for Gunzo and his big dong. Good for him. What do you want? We're gonna say. All right, it's not that funny. Everyone, calm down. Jim, you should introduce this song. I know you have. Okay, I do. Well, look, you're getting a little out of hand with that. I've been playing with them for what a year and a half? Yeah. Something like that. And I've been looking for a way to work in a Sarah Barella song the whole time. So, so I have one, and you may have heard it. And it goes like this. <laughs> Dwight, we talked about this. You can be amazing, you can turn a phrase into a weapon or a drug. You can be the outcast, be the backlash of somebody's lack of love. Or you can start speaking up. Anything that hurts you the way that words do when they settle neath the skin. Kept on the inside, no sunlight, sometimes the shadow wins. But I wonder what would happen if you say what you want to say and let the words fall out. Honestly, I want to see you be brave with what you want to say and let the words fall out. Honestly, I wanna see you be brave. I wanna see you. I just wanna see you. I wanna see you. I wanna see you be brave. I wanna see you. I just wanna see you. Everybody's been there, everybody's been stared down by the enemy. Falling for the fear and done some disappearing. Bow down to the mighty. Don't run, stop holding your tongue. Maybe there's a way out of the cage where you live. Maybe one of these days you can let the light in. Show me how big your brave is. Say what you wanna say and let the words fall out. Honestly, I wanna see you be brave with what you wanna say and let the words fall out. Honestly, I wanna see you be brave and since your history of silence won't do you any good, did you? It would let your words be anything but empty. Why don't you tell them the truth? Say what you wanna say. 
brave with what you want to say And let the words fall Honesty I want to see you be brave Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you enjoy Your Stories, you might also like Blaster Podcast. Blaster Podcast is a pretend science show hosted by a horrible doctor from the Italian Renaissance. Join host Dottore Bellordo and his guests as they explore new science topics every episode. Blaster Podcast. Let us experiment with yourself. For more info, go to blasterpodcast.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.